Hey, this is uh, week three, and we're finishing up a series called Disciple today. We've been talking about being a learner of Jesus Christ, following him, what it means uh, to embrace him, to experience him, to make him known. And today I'm going to finish that out and really try to make it practical about some things that we can do. And uh, I've just, uh, just called this, a Christ follower is an investor in others. They, they see others important. The Apostle Paul would say, consider others more important than yourself. Put others before yourself. It's a great principle in marriage. And all the women said, and all the men said, Amen. yeah, that's good, man. Hey, there you go. You know, it's that mutual submission thing. That's not a marriage talk. Okay, so today uh, there, there's a passage, several passages I'll refer to, but the one that just continued to burn in my heart, thinking about being disciple makers, was uh, found in 2 Timothy. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. I've read this in like in every translation I can find, but just listen to the word of the Lord. It says, These things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Entrust these truths, this life, pass it on. Don't keep it. Remember last weekend, I think, during baptism, the week before, I said, there's no secret disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not a faith that we should keep it to ourselves. And I'm so glad the original apostles and the disciples didn't keep the story of Jesus to themselves. They proclaimed the gospel to the world. Therefore, we have the gospel of Montgomery. What a great illustration today about Lee and Laura Ashley. They, they go to London. I've been there a couple of times to preach the gospel in Liverpool. I love that country. It's an incredibly dark country. It's also an incredibly beautiful country, and yet the gospel is needed. And now, as Lee has shared with us about how people have immigrated there in this major city, I, I think when I was there, it was like 7 million population in London. It's a massive crowd of people. I mean, we, to give you an idea, there's only like over, a little over 4 million people in the whole state of Alabama, and there's like 7 million in London. That, that's a pretty big city, huh? And yet, these people find themselves, many lost, and Lee and Laura Ashley, as we partner, as we pray, as we support, as we stand behind them, they go to carry the gospel. And you're saying, well, that's great. Let's give them our money. Let's pray. You, you remember, I, I like what Lee said. Lord, send missionaries. That's a dangerous prayer. God, send my neighbor. God, send that man next to me. God, send that woman there. Send them, Lord. And then when you realize one day, I don't even know if God's hearing my prayer. And he's going, how about you? How about you? It might be just to go across the street. It might be just go to the cubicle next to you and share a word of testimony. I don't know. Let's, uh, I want to I share another passage with you over in the ch uh, ninth chapter of Luke. It's not even in your notes, but just write down Luke 9, 57 through 62. I want you to hear these words. It's a tough verse. You're saying, man, you shared some tough stuff last week. Well, we're continuing. We want to proclaim the, the full gospel. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Boy, that's easy to say it, isn't it? But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. And he said to another person, come, follow me. There's, there's that thing Jesus keeps saying, come, come, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. 
Your duty is to go and to preach about the kingdom of God. And the other said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, this is the verse I want you to see. I want you to underline it. Verse 62, right? Underline it, mark it, underscore in your Bibles, in your, in your phones, on your iPads. I've got this app called Notability. I can, it, it's just like my regular notes. It's so fun. I can highlight. I can color. If you come here and look at my notes, it's just like my old school notes on paper where I had every highlighter color known to man. Glory to God. And then sometimes they would dry out, and I had to get stuck to two or three colors. And I go get some more. Now I have it all on, a, on a, an application, and I have all these colors at my fingertips. I'm, I'm taking medicine for it. It's okay. But listen to this. Verse 62. Not really. I'm not taking medicine. Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Man, look forward. Look to Jesus. If we look back, Jesus says, you're not fit, man. You've, you've decided. So here's the first point. Decide what will be ultimate in your life. I'm going to run through these first points rather quickly, and then you're saying, I don't know how he does this, but I know there's a time, and I'll get there. Decide what is priority in your life. Who is above all things? Above all, is, is it Jesus? Well, I put Jesus first. You know, in the scripture, in the 14th chapter of Luke, the word says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're, and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. They'll make fun of you. So Jesus wants us to count the cost about being a disciple. And being a disciple, you'll hear me say this more than once today, is about death. And it's about life. And it's about dying to my flesh and to my desires and living for the purposes of Jesus Christ. So God would say to us here, determine what will be ultimate in your life. And don't just do it with lip service. Like, God, family, job. I mean, everybody says that. But really, in practice, God, what's ultimate? And then I would move to this. Number two, you must decide to never quit. You know, we were, I just thinking about these uh, athletes there and and next weekend's really that kind of an athletic focus. And, and great athletes, they don't quit. They have a stick-to-it mindset mentality. And they endure and they persevere. And they just can't quit. And when they want to quit, they do it some more. And they go back and they exercise and they exercise. And they keep doing the drill. And they keep practicing the fundamentals. And I was just thinking here, endurance, no quitting. Finish strong. Let me just say this to you as clear as I know how today. Finish the race that you have begun in Jesus Christ. A lot of people start out in Jesus they don't finish. Don and I were talking about this the other day to some people. Finish well. It's about not how you start. It's about how you, how you finish. When it comes to the end of your days, and we don't know when the end of our days are. Josiah said, I talked about it a minute ago. Young college student getting Christian education, preparing himself for vocational ministry. Sure, he thought he had decades in front of him to serve Christ on this earth. And Christ called him home early. God will use his life even in death. And yet, so we don't know. We just have to be prepared. The third point is this. You must resolve to make your life count. Do you have strong resolve? In your life, you go, my life needs to matter. My life will matter. I trust that Christ will be enough. In the 14th chapter of Luke, starting in verse 34, Scripture says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, and how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit neither for the soul nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Be salty. Be zestful. Cause people to want what you have. There is a, a depth 
a level of life, joy, integrity, honor, wholeness, health, peace. And they go, I don't have that. You know, right now, I just see more than ever, people are seeking peace at every extreme, through every medium known. And there's one medium, hear it clearly. There's one medium by which we get peace. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church said, and there's a lot of, you know, crazy stuff and psychic lines and go to this and go to that and get a dog or I don't know what it's got to do with it. Just do something, you know, get a, get a bird, get an animal, you know. Peace, peace, peace. No, there's peace in Christ, in the person of Christ, investing. You know, that's what I'm really wanting to talk about all today is investment. We have been doing a study on Wednesday nights. We just completed the other day about the blueprint for life. And one of the things was we were building a, an earthly portfolio and we built a spiritual eternal portfolio. I just write it down. That's free for you today. Are you building an eternal portfolio for Jesus Christ? That's going to be the one at the end of your life that's going to matter. All the other stuff you acquire and do as well and good and possibly righteous as they are, the ultimate's going to be, what is my eternal worth? What have I done with that which Christ has given to me? Is he's entrusted me to share it with others. The fourth point is this. We have to deploy disciple makers out of the local church. We're just one local body. We're, I call us the outpost at Ryan Road. You're right around our city, there's a lot of outposts. There's a lot of churches. I've lived here my entire life. I went off to Troy later after Don and I were married and had ministry going. I went to seminary later and did all that fun stuff in Atlanta. But Montgomery has been our home. We love our city. And we, we remember when we birthed Christ Community in 1996. It was a new awakening, a new work, a, a praise and worship church. Everybody was debating, oh, it's only a fad. It only lasts for about three years. <laughs> Little did they know. Other churches would start the same kind of works, and new churches would come. And now, I'm just amazed in the last five years, the last ten years, people just keep adding churches and adding churches. We got churches like we got drugstores. We got churches like we got banks. Do we have enough banks in Montgomery, church? Do we have enough drugstores? If we don't have one, we add five. Let's put them all in the corner. And when we came out here, it was us in St. James, and then people just kept saying, hey, let's get out there and let's build us one. I just keep waiting for somebody to come back next door and say, can we build one right next door? Well, glory to God, let's just build it one more time. Let's slice the pie. Here's the sad thing. We got more churches and less people in Christ today than ever before. Our effectiveness is about being disciple makers. And God wants us to be disciples. And he wants us to get out of the local church and entrust our life to others. I'm going to make this as practical as I can as I build on this message today. Because disciple makers is not just for your staff. Disciple makers is not just for maybe the most spiritually mature. Being a disciple maker is for everybody that calls on the name of Jesus. How many, how many believe that today? Every person in this room, if you're in Christ, you have something to give somebody else. And as you grow in Christ, you have a lot to give. I, I, I will say this statement, write it down. More is caught than taught. People watch your example all the time. We model. We model good. We model holiness. We model sin. We model whatever. But people are watching us. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times people are saying, well, what, what's your methods? And what's your discipleship materials? And what should I go through? And I always ask a lot of those questions. You know the best discipleship material I found? Your life. People watch your life. They observe your life. They criticize your life. They possibly 
imitate, emulate your life because they see Christ in you. And I go, God, that's what you want. It's like uh, with little kids. Uh, does anybody here, have you ever had a kid that ever backtalked to you? That's never happened to anybody in this room, right? And all your kids, they've always respected you. You know, blessed are you, Father, that rises in the sun. Your mom, you are the most wonderful woman that's ever lived on earth. I love you, woman. Sacred are you. May you be blessed as you go into the marketplace today. That's what your kids tell you every day, right? Yeah, you're like, what is he smoking up there today? There's no way. But more is caught than taught. And yet, we get on the telephone, and uh, we might have been yelling at them. You ever notice this? You can, like, be having a little heated exchange, and the phone rings. Well, hello, and how are you doing this wonderful day? And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Hypocrite? What is that? Where'd that come from? Well, we'll get back to you when I get off the phone, okay? All right, anyway. So, Timothy here, he goes, I, Timothy would say, I encourage you to be an imitator of me. I follow Paul. Paul follows Christ. I see Christ in Paul. I see Christ in Timothy. And all through, as you read First and Second Timothy, you see the great disciple of the Apostle Paul, Timothy. And how those two impacted the world in that day, and they impacted the day with the gospel. And people listen, and, and sometimes they go, well, send Paul. Paul goes, no, you don't need to send, I don't need to come. I'll send Timothy. Timothy is a faithful devoted follower of the way he's a follower of jesus christ he'll be enough if if i send timothy you'll have somebody so there's this whole picture of discipleship of discipling life on life get, being caught up being seeing who it is and you know I, I i was just wondering who's watching you right now maybe you're not aware maybe you are aware that's even scarier i still remember the story after i came to christ as a 19-year-old freshman, the other night they showed me that picture of a 19-year-old freshman where I had a lot of hair. It was a, a marvelous thing, hair, hair. I don't know what happened to it, but hair. And uh, I remember I, I just, I just loved to share Christ, and I would just walk up to people, and I'd talk about Christ, and talk about Christ. Man, just a passion. I wanted them to know Jesus. And yet, I remember the day, about six, eight months into my faith, one of my fraternity brothers had come up to me, and he says, I just want you to know. I've been watching you every single day. I've been observing you when you didn't know. I've been asking people to watch you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude. He says, you're the real deal. You really do love Jesus. I said, I do. And I said, won't you follow him? And, I, and, and right then it set in my spirit, that you know what? People watch you when you name the name of Jesus Christ. You don't name the name, you're like, well, you know, you're, I mean, as Tony Evans says, you know, he says, we always get frustrated and mad at sinners. He said, we don't need to do that. Sinners are doing just what they're wired to do. That's their dynamic. That's their DNA. They're supposed to sin. But when we get redeemed by the precious blood of Christ and we begin a transformation, it should be more about Christ. All right, church? So he says, hey, reflect me, share me. You know, the other thing I learned, Jesus was highly intentional. His life was a life of focus, laser focus. It was a life that mattered. And the fifth point is this, intentionality leads to multiplication. If you and I choose to be intentional, something not additional, not add-on, but multiplication happens when we're intentional. When you're intentional about living for Christ, when you're intentional about entrusting your life to another, when you're intentional about passing on your faith to another person, things happen in the kingdom. It's a, it's a, it's a, I was reading, 
I read this guy called Greg Ogden. You can just write down Greg Ogden. He, he wrote Transforming Disciples and Transformation, all these great books. And I want to borrow some here from him because he makes some great points. And I, and I want to talk about this. We've been talking about this for the last three years. Actually, I've been doing this for about 30-something years. In the last few years, we've been talking about it. And we talked about it again. And just in our last elders meeting, we came back to this again. And I think it caught new fire like it's never caught before. And so today, I'm going to ask some people to be a part of triads. I want you to write down the word triads. T-R-I-A-D-S. Triads. It's groups of three, just like it says triads. My prayer is that men and women all across this body of faith and people that listen to me through the web or whatever will begin to consider being a part of a triad. A triad is where I think spiritual growth best happens. No, a triad is where I think discipleship best happens. I've tried to disciple one-on-one, I've discipled one-on-twelve, I've discipled one-on-six, and all those have been effective. But the most important, I think the most, the best way to do it, I think, is one-on-three or one-on-two. There's three of you that meet. And some people say, well, I like the one-on-one. Well, when you do the one-on-one, it can be a little intimidating. The other thing is when one person doesn't show up, you're sitting there at Starbucks by yourself. You look like a fool. And I've had many of those meetings. I walk in, they go, are you waiting on somebody I am? And then they don't show up. They're like, loser, he doesn't even have any friends. And uh, i got friends. They, they just don't show sometimes, you know? But when you got to try it, and here it is, it builds in accountability. Because if you already know somebody else is going to be there, and you're going to get your little self over there too. Let's make a couple points here. Greg Ogden says there's a shift from unnatural pressure to the natural participation of the discipler, and they begin to converge and journey together when you do the three, the triad. The second point he says is there's a shift from hierarchy to peer relationship, that you come alongside. You know, that's my biggest prayer. Of course, I've been to seminary. I'm your pastor. I'm honored. That's an awesome thing. And then people are like, you're a Bible man. You're an answer man. I don't want to be Bible man. I want to be Jesus man. I want you to be Jesus. I love it when you're Jesus to me and I'm Jesus to you. And when you're Jesus to her and she's Jesus to her, what happens, church? The church multiplies. Amen? Everybody's like, well, you know, I hadn't done but two Beth Moore studies. I don't care if you've never even done a Beth Moore study. If you've got Christ, if you've got a testimony, you've got something to give. Some of you today are sitting there. I can never be a disciple maker. I'll, my name's not Tullis Young. I, you know, I don't do all these Bible studies. And I, you know, my name's not Susan Harper, the prophetess around here, and she does this and this. And I'm not Donna Waldrop, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. And I, and I start going through the roads, and I see some of you are so spiritually mature in Jesus Christ. I go, praise God. And some of you are saying, well, I'm not mature. That's okay. Begin where you are. And he just goes on, and he, says, he talks about attempting to follow Christ. Let life and energy mark the exchange. Write that down somewhere. When we disciple there's life, and there's an exchange of life. And that's what I'm really trying to get across today as I finish up Disciple Series is be a follower of Jesus and share your life with somebody else and always think Trinity, always think Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, infuse, empower, come, meet with me, show me what you want. Um, the other thing I've learned, you get people meeting in groups, people start getting a hunger for God's Word. When the Word is central to what you're doing, people begin to get a voracious appetite for Scripture. They begin to want to digest Scripture. No, I like it. They begin to want to do Scripture. You know, not just hear Scripture. They want to do it. And they, they want to, you know, and the other thing is, I'll just say to you, discipleship, we try to make it a program. It's relationship. 
Discipleship is a lot more than not about a program. It's about a relationship model. It's about building relationships with people and our circle of influence. Everybody in this room has a circle of influence. Some are smaller circles, some are bigger circles, but you have influence. Your life matters. If I can say one thing today, I want to say your life counts for the gospel when you're in Christ. And we make disciples through discipleship. Here's the other thing I'd say. Write down the word fat. Can you write down the word fat? You're saying, Pastor, why are you talking about yourself? No. Fat. F-A-T. Learned this about 25 years ago. Faithful. Available. Teachable. That's all God's looking for. He's looking for a bunch of fat people. Faithful. Available. Teachable. And when you and I choose to be faithful to Jesus Christ and we decide to be available, as the Harpers gave an, an illustration today that's powerful. Thank you, Lee, for being here. And then we become teachable. Christ begins a new work. And I, I pray one day people go, that's the fattest church I know. Isn't that funny? We had to put up the... Me and Donna went to a church yesterday. They were having this uh, yard sale thing. And, and, they, and I love their sign. It was called pork and pie now let me tell you this preacher you can get my attention when it says pork and pie that, that, that'd be a good thing for us jimmy harper or somebody out here to think about oh, we ought to do that around here okay pork and pie okay so god wants us to to build a witness and live in the context of friendships there's a great book uh called disciples are made not born you have to make them it's like yo we're in the spiritual pediatric business I understand something about pediatricians. I know some, and of course our girls went to them, and our granddaughter goes to one, and I, and I love pediatrics and what they do and how they preserve and they give health and well-meaning to our kids and all these babies. And, and I just want you to know, if you ever sit in this section, this is the baby section over here in Christ Community, okay? Some weeks I walk up there, and there'll be eight babies, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, and, and the kids are sleeping. But kind of like some of you. But this, this, this thing here, protection, development, the key process here is uh, they have to be nurtured. Little babies don't come here. They come here nursing. They come here on milk. You know, they, they can't do anything for themselves. And then they smile and we melt. We go, they did something. They smiled. I mean, that's a big deal. And yet, a lot of people just stay that place in their whole Christian experience. They become a follower, but not much of a follower. And they just stay babies. They just stay immature. If our babies never grew up at Christ's community... That would be sad, but they do, and they grow up, and they develop. Did you look on this stage? There's a young man. Drew, was Drew right here? Yeah, Drew Womble. Remember when he was born? I remember when he used to sit on the front row during the whole warm-up practice. He would sit there. He was the most polite child I've ever seen. He sat in his chair. He sat with his anointed goldfish. They were anointed, I know. And he, he watched worship the entire time. He was a little kid. And when it was over, then Chrissy would take him where he needed to go. And I went, that's an obedient child. And I look up here today. He's now taller than me. And he's getting bigger. And he's developing. And he's become a musician. And I praise God for our teenagers that Jeff is mentoring. How about you, church? It's awesome. Yeah, I love all these young musicians. Fowler and Brandon and... All these different ones. God's just doing something in their hearts and they're, they're walking after Jesus. So a child, when, when a child is born, let's talk about that for a minute. When a child is born, there's great rejoicing. We get on our phones, we get our computer, and we Facebook and we text. 
And, you know, we send, you know, we get our Twitter or whatever, and we tweet people, and we do all this stuff, and we want everybody to know, man, I had a baby. But, you know, let's think about this. Spiritually, when people come to life in Jesus Christ, we should be the most celebrated people on the planet. Amen? Let them just party, go, man, Steve, Bill, Susan, Jane, Jennifer, they came to Christ. Oh, they became a Christian. Then maybe we have baptism next weekend. Oh, hey, baptism. Oh, man, we ought to go, man, that is awesome. Your sins got forgiven. You found Christ. We're going to blow up. We're going to celebrate your life. We're going to go for it. We're going to believe God for more. But I know this is your experience. You're just walking down the mall. You're walking into East Chase, and some people walk over to you and go, could you introduce me to Jesus? I was just thinking about Jesus. I just want to know, could you lead me to Christ today? And that never happened. If it happens this week, call me. Because I think you're lying. But I mean, but it'd be awesome if it did. Usually people come to Christ, they come under conviction. They always come under conviction to come to Christ. And usually there's a process and people build relationships. I'm all about the relational building bridges that points to Christ. And we build bridges that they might walk away, walk across that and see the Savior. And they meet the Lord. So God wants us to be a celebrating church and a discipling church. And we want to follow him and we go forward and we go, God, this is wonderful. But we're intentional. I want you to write down a simple question. What are your expectations this morning? Do you expect to see people sitting next to you that are new? Do you expect new people to come to Christ? I've told you this, but I'll tell you again. Yesterday I did it. I've done it for decades. I've been a Christ follower 35 years Every Saturday, I pray for my lost family members. And some have come to Jesus. And some still have not. I pray for my brother all the time. This is a sober moment for me. There's nothing I want more than him to know Jesus. How about you? What are your expectations? Do you expect your brother, your father, your mother, your sister, your daughter, your son, your grandchild, your neighbor, your boss, your coach, your teacher? What are your expectations? I think the devil has sold a bill of goods to the church, to the living Christ. And we go, oh, there's too much sin in the world. Oh, there's too much that's gone wrong. There is a lot of sin in the world. A lot of stuff's gone wrong. I agree with that. It's a wicked place. But there is a heavenly Father that is good and holy and perfect and all-loving and all-knowing, and he calls whosoever to come follow him. And I hope and pray that you and I go, I'm going to start really praying and expecting. How many of you expect to fill this room, to overflow? I've even had people tell me this, Pastor, I don't want our church to get too big. Oh, could you explain that to me? Well, I might have to give up my seat, or you know, it might be a little uncomfortable. I pray for the day. I've been in multiple services over the last 35 years. We've been in multiple services at AUM. We've been in multiple services here, and now we're not. I like it. It's a lot more work. And the worship team's like, oh, no, he's on that again. Oh, he wants to see everybody come to Jesus. Yeah, I do. And everybody in here, if we name the name of Christ, we ought to want to see this place so packed out. I would love the day if y'all had to show up 20 minutes early to get a seat. I would sit in a corner and laugh. But oh, no. We got a beautiful edifice God's provided. We got plenty of room. You're like, you know, I'll come when I get ready. They got a seat for me. Pastor Keith's always got a seat on the front. I understand. Who wants to sit down there? Let me spit on you. Okay, all right, here we go. So, look at this. So something is happening. God is 
wanting to feed us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be disciple makers. And then I move to this. It says that the sixth point is this. Following Christ starts with an attitude. In Philippians, he talks about a mindset. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, I want it to come up right here. It'll show us. Look at this scripture. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. In some translations, it says, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Look to others. Have the attitude of Christ. It's redemptive. It's powerful. It changes life. It's what Christ wants for us. He wants us to come into his family. And yet some people just want, I just want to stay in immaturity. I just want to stay at that place. We don't want to stay in immaturity. We want you to grow up. We want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your salvation and the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior and Redeemer and Protector, Jesus. And then we want you to entrust and pass that on to other men. I wrote down a statement you should write down. I didn't get it in the notes. I'm sorry. Make your life count. Your death count. Your legacy matter. Make your life count. Your death count. And your legacy matter. Don and I talk about that a lot, about our legacy. Our legacy is our kids and our grandchildren, that they would follow the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the greatest legacy we'll ever have, is that what we do and how we try to raise them and lead them and serve them and watch them as they lead and serve us. It's just beautiful, and that's what I pray for everybody, that we go, Lord, we want your love to empower. We want to be gentle with others. We want to be affectionate. We want to care for others. We want to make disciples. Lord, because more is caught than taught. But God, do something in our midst. God, cause us to make disciples. And then, you know, I was just, as, as I was thinking about this, I thought about your life is your greatest tool, the life that you lead. And today I want to do something a little bold. There are men and women in here, I don't know how it's going to happen, elders and myself, we'll figure it out. We just think God's the God of the impossible. If you desire to be a part of a triad, I want you to write down triad on your offering or, or on your uh, connection card. I want you to go to the visitor center and just go, hey, I just want you to know I want to be in this triad thing. We also need some people that are going to lead triads. And if you feel like, you know what, I, I could lead one of those, you know, three people. I'm just believing today by faith that God is putting in men and women's hearts in here today to be disciple makers to the nations. You don't know who's going to be the next Laura Ashley and Lee Harper. You don't. You don't know who's going to be the next fire chief, police chief, the next teacher, the next lawyer, the next accountant, the next mom, the next dad, the next president. They might be in our midst. Let's claim them for Christ. Lord, come. Our circles. You know, you're saying, but I'm not Rick Warren. I don't want you to be Rick Warren. I want you to be who you are. You have a circle of influence. And your circle is where God, what did Lee say? Man, Lee set me up for this message. Lee says you live where God designed for you to live. So you live and serve in that world that Christ has put you. Don't fight him. Shine. Disciple. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for this morning, for your presence and what you're doing, that you're calling us to entrust our lives to faithful men and women. And we want to follow you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, you left us a perfect example. And now, Lord, it's our turn. Jesus, use us. We're here, and we want to be used. We want to follow you, Lord Jesus. Lord, today, 
Shape the heavens. Shape people's lives today, God. And cause us to get out of our comfort zone and to follow Christ. Lord, we worship 